Good morning. Well, I, I could imagine a smaller room, actually. <laughs> Barely, though. <laughs> well, uh, we have very close fellowship here, right? <laughs> it's close-knit community in this room. I'm glad that you're in, the, in another room next uh, week. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be with you again this uh, morning and... Uh, uh, let me start by uh, giving you some updates on our life and ministry. The main, uh, the main update is that uh, our older daughter, Elizabeth, graduated uh, the high school just uh, three days ago. Uh, it's uh, sort of, it was very nice ceremony because the school is Christian and uh, it was packed with uh, sermons, with uh, Jesus and with uh, glorifying God, so it was pretty nice. At the same time, for me, it was a little bit bittersweet uh, sweet, uh, experience. It's like whole epoch uh, is uh, like getting behind me. Uh, you know, my baby daughter <laughs> is uh, out of the school. It's just like uh, I feel mature, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so pray for us. It's, uh, we're going through uh, one of the major transitions. Probably the next big step uh, regarding her in, in our life would be when she will get married. Uh, but right now, our uh, house is still, our family is still uh, packed with all these anxieties. What is the next step? Where to go study? Uh, what, uh, what to do uh, with life? So please pray for us. Uh, most of you, uh, if not almost all of you, been there. So you know what I'm talking about. Uh, another, uh, some <laughs> other updates uh, are... Uh, in uh, 10 days, so a little bit less than two weeks and 12 days, uh, we are going back uh, to Germany. Well, for me, it's, uh, I was asked, when are you going back? And now I'm completely lost uh, where is back. Uh, because uh, I returned from Germany last week uh, back to Dallas. And uh, the week after next, uh, we are returning back to Germany. So where is back? Uh, hard to say. But uh, God is blessing our ministry tremendously because, as I mentioned last time I was here, uh, there in Germany our ministry is growing and prospering, including even the congregation. Our staff uh, uh, increased in 30% uh, last uh, two years. For, with me going back and forth. I'm still involved like uh, at least six hours a day, uh, uh, even when I'm in Dallas ministering uh, in Germany, like long distance leader, uh, you know, online video conferencing, uh, talking, writing, all the all the stuff, but also in here in the United in Dallas, uh, God is blessing the ministry that we call our Jewish friends, teaching uh, Christians how to share the gospel with their Jewish neighbors, friends, colleagues, family members, and it's also uh, going really well. And uh, we experience very strong interest to share uh, the gospel in this way. And uh, there are a number of events that are planned for uh, the fall. 
the social outreach events. And I hope that if you have uh, your friends, uh, or Jewish friends, colleagues, family members, neighbors, you will be able to invite them to these events uh, uh, regarding, like, related to the Rosh Hashanah or to Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, or we even planning Hanukkah party. Uh, so I hope that you will be able to come with your, uh, with the Jewish people you know, and in inoffensive atmosphere, we can see how Jesus can be relevant uh, for all of us. But uh, we will keep you posted. Uh, many of you receive our prayer letters and the class receive, I hope, the copy of our prayer letter uh, on a monthly basis. Uh, again, we are very grateful for your support, for your prayers, for your friendship, and we do highly appreciate uh, the fact that the ministry that we are doing in Germany, but also here in Dallas. It's not my ministry, not our ministry, but ministry of all of us. Because by praying for us and even supporting our ministry, you are part of this ministry. You take ownership of the ministry that is done among Jewish people back in Berlin, in Germany, in here in Dallas, and in all countries God uh, leads me, leads us to minister. Thank you. We appreciate you very much. Now, uh, I was, uh, I had really hard time to, fi uh, to, to decide what to talk this morning to you about. The bar is raised very high, especially having Dr. Toussaint here in the audience. It's just, uh, uh, as Ryan Huckel uh, asked me to teach this morning, and it was a couple days ago, he, uh, he told me, <laughs> I'm not kidding, it's serious. <laughs> so I just, uh, I just uh, well, the next thing uh, he told was, you need to do expository teaching, so like, uh, like Dr. Tosain did. And uh, because, you know, people are hungry for this type. And, and, and I said, are you kidding me? Just, <laughs> you want me to do an expository teaching when I have only like, what, 45 minutes the maximum? <laughs> only an introduction to, uh, to a book would take this time probably. And just maybe a couple of verses. So just like... Uh, well, anyway, I will do some expository teaching, but only on a certain passage, okay? I cannot just start from the very beginning of the book and finish the book, or maybe Jude, for example, but still, it's, it's, it's not possible, so just forgive me, it will be just one uh, passage. But the passage that is very relevant for the ministry that uh, I'm doing, and also uh, the passage that is uh, probably relevant for uh, all of us if we're involved, involved in apologetic. The most difficult, one of the most difficult questions that uh, Jewish people use as uh, an objection uh, to believe in Jesus or against believe, uh, believing in Jesus as the Messiah is you say that Jesus is divine. 
So Christians, you believe in three gods. And we Jewish people, we believe in only one God. So we are not on the same page. We are two different religions. And for us, you can be considered as pagans. And there is a passage that uh, I would recommend us to consider as a background for us to give a response to the Jewish people. And this passage is the passage that I, uh, that I usually use in a premarital counseling. You're young enough. <laughs> so uh, that's the passage from the, uh, and these are the verses from Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. So let me, uh, let me consider a couple of verses or a number of verses from uh, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. I'm pretty sure that you are familiar with this passage by heart. Looking at you, I assume that the average age with the Lord in this room is 40, right? <laughs> Some of you follow Jesus and read the Bible longer than I live. And I admire you for that. Probably, if you're a good believer, you read the book of Genesis at least 10 times, maybe more. So, uh, you can say, what is new in all this, uh, in, in this passage? And I would say almost nothing. It saves time for me not to read you the entire two chapters. So, God was creating everything from the scratch out of nothing, in seven days, as he was telling. I mean, the Torah, the, uh, the book of Genesis, sets us an account of seven days. I'm not going to discuss with you create, uh, uh, theories about like evolution or God creating that over a million uh, of years. Just the account that we see here is uh, seven days. And for me, it's very precise. As for a Jew, it's a very precise account. In, uh, his, uh, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 20, as God was talking or giving Ten Commandments, uh, so-called Ten Commandments, to, uh, to the Jewish people, he said, keep, or, uh, keep the Shabbat. Why? Because God was working six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So observe it. So do as God did or as God does. It means work six days and on the seventh day rest like God. So now if God was, would be creating that over millions of years, the, the message would be you work a thousand years at least and then you rest a day. <laughs> Something. We don't like it. So anyway... Uh, so do as God did. God could create uh, everything, uh, or creating everything over a long period of time. But for the sake of us to have a day, like a seventh day, he did it in six days. On a seventh day, he set an example for us. Anyway, it's another story. 
So was, he was creating everything one step at a time, and each time as he was uh, he was creating something at the end of each day, he was saying, like looking at what he has done. He looked at that and he said, "Do you remember what he said?" <laughs> oh, it is good. <laughs> Tov. Ah, oh, nice. Good. I like it. So, and the last day. Uh, on the sixth day of his creation, because Jewish tradition would say that he was creating for seven days. Shabbat is also his creation. He created the, sh uh, the Shabbat. He, uh, he decided, or he, uh, his plan was to create a man. And in verse 26, Genesis uh, chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Everything else was already created. Now, the time to create the man. And in verse 26, and... Uh, we have some confusion. Confusion is between let us make a man singular and let them rule over the fish, etc. Plural. It's confusing. A man singular and at the same time in the same verse plural. Look at the verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Is it what? Singular, right? And in Hebrew, it's the same. Male and female, he created them. Plural. It's in uh, verse 20, 28. God blessed them and said to them. And for me, talking as a contemporary, Western-minded uh, just let everything make, let everything be logical and set on a different shelves, like in the library and categorize, like a ca in a catalog and uh, with certain number. It's confusing. He created man in his image, singular, and he created them as plural. That's strange, at least. In the cha in uh, in second chapter. Uh, we find an account how he was doing that, or more detailed, not exactly in all details. We would love to know more details and uh, just several volumes of how God did it. Uh, well, he gives us several verses to explain it uh, in more detail. So, uh, after he created everything, uh, in, a verse, uh, in verse 4, uh, he says, this is the account, it's chapter 2 now, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. So the account, just the general account, is over. And then uh, there is an explanation uh, how it worked, so how it was cultivated by, uh, cultivated by God. And then he describes the garden that he uh, that he put there in uh, on earth on earth 
and then different rivers. Just read it uh, if you don't remember. It's a beautiful passage. You already can imagine uh, like a picture of paradise, like on Jehovah Witnesses uh, pictures. I'm just kidding. Uh, 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 but uh, but it's just like uh, it uh, it can look sort of uh, sort of beautiful. And uh, in verse. Uh, the verse 15. Then the Lord uh, God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden, Eden sorry, to cultivate it and to keep it. And uh, I, I'm reading following verses. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. You know the story, right? And then in verse 18 we read, Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, it's, it's more precise, detailed account of creation, particularly uh, the man. Every day, we, uh, we already said that, every day at the end of creation, God was looking around what was created. And what he said was, it is good. It's the first and the only time during the creational account God says it is not good. It is not good, lot of, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, the word helper, uh, it's not somebody as a servant even in Hebrew. It's not somebody who is just like, let me, let me schlep your suitcase or let me uh, just be busy with uh, fixing the food for you or uh, just, uh, uh, I will just uh, always like your second, like I will follow you and I will be helping you. It's, uh, it's not like servant, not a slave, not, uh, it's not the meaning of, uh, of, the uh, of the word. It's, with other words, it's like a compliment. So, Adam, or the first man, he was the male. He was not perfect. He was not complete. He was not full. He needed somebody to compliment him. Just it was like a circle, but half a circle. It was like piece of, uh, it just was piece of the whole. Not the whole picture. Not the, the perfect man as God was willing the man to be. So, everything in creation was perfect and good, but the man being alone was not good, was not perfect. The creation of man was not completed just by the male. So, uh, what God did afterwards? Out of the ground, the Lord God, at verse 19 and following, formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Now, why God is doing that? Why God is bringing all the animals for Adam to see them and to name them. You know, 
naming today is different from, na from the naming back then. My name is uh, Vladimir. It's a Slavic name. So sort of like old, Ru old Russian Slavic name. You know what is the translation? The king of the world. Or king of the universe. Nice. <laughs> Am I? Not. Maybe only in Jesus and with Jesus, but uh, that's another story. My parents uh, never even thought of the meanings. So uh, my parents uh, knew soon after I was born that I am the king of the family <laughs> and I am ruler over, the, over them, but not over the world. So, uh, and they never, they never even considered the meaning of this name. They gave me this name just because they liked how, the way it sounds. <laughs> Many of your names are given the same way. In that society back then, as well as in uh, some tribes and cultures, even today, the name that is assigned to a, uh, to a man is the name that means something. It has a meaning. Like, for example, a strong eye. Or, you know, like uh, the names like Armstrong, the last, uh, the last names. Uh, so it's like strong arm. Uh, so the names, they could mean something. Not like Vladimir. Oh, it means something, but not exactly that I was giving, assigned this meaning. Anyway, uh, so God was bringing the animals to the man for the man to tell what he feels and thinks about these uh, animals. You see the point? It was not just to give them Latin names as we have with animals uh, today in many cases. It was, the, it was to give the opinion. So I need somebody like me. I need somebody to compliment me. He or in that way, she should look like I am. Act similarly. So we need to correspond to each other, relate to each other. So every, every animal is brought to, uh, to the man for the, uh, for the man to see and to make his conclusion expressed in the naming. And it was not necessarily one word. It was probably even like several words. But in the verse uh, 20 we read, The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the names were not telling Adam and God as well, although he knew that be even before, that among animals or birds or anybody like on the earth, somebody suits him uh, to him. So, for example, giraffe. Giraffe is coming. Adam looks at giraffe. <laughs> too long. So the name is too long of the neck. <laughs> and then there is a lion comes. <clears throat> Too much of the hair, <laughs> or hair, the hairy one, or whatever. And then there is an elephant. Oh, you need some 
exercise, you know, just too <laughs> heavy or whatever, too big. So, whatever names he called the, uh, these animals, the names were telling clearly to Adam, it's not my quote-unquote second half. So, uh, by the way, premarital counseling, usually, I t- oh, and f- or if there are marriage uh, complications, I usually tell uh, to the man or the husband or wife, just, if you don't like your wife, go to the zoo and find you a better one. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, well, that's what God did. He brought Ad, uh, Adam, uh, Adam to the zoo of that time. Just find you a spouse. It didn't work. Anyway, back, uh, back to the story. Uh, so, uh, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs... And closed up the flesh at that at that place. So God said, uh, God said to Adam, "Go to sleep now." And uh, while Adam was sleeping, he took uh, literally. It was like a bone with a flesh. So it was like uh, you know, it uh, it could be a uh, it could be a, a, a rib, or but not necessary. In Hebrew, it's just a bone. With the flesh. So it was sort of brutal. Just <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's written here, closed up the flesh at that place. So as Adam woke up, he was not missing anything. You know, there are all these like, children questions. Why is there the same? So he was missing a rib or just why do we have like uh, equal number of ribs? And so men, they have less ribs than, uh, uh, than women? No, not. Why? Why should it? God closed everything as it used to be. He is the almighty. He is God. He can do whatever he wants. So uh, it was, just keep in mind, it was born with flesh. Uh, God could use something else, not necessarily bone. He could take just one little DNA from just uh, like a DNA test and he could do some cloning or just uh, genetic uh, constructions out of nothing, you know. He even didn't need a DNA, but he took brutally the bone with some flesh for a reason. Let's keep reading. Verse, uh, verse 22. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. He does the same what he did with the, uh, with the animals. The same. So Adam was sleeping and then he's waking up. Ah, ah I, I had a good sleep, you know. Ah, nice. Uh, Perfect. And then he doesn't see anything. No scars. No scars at all because everything is covered. And suddenly, instead of giraffe or elephant or lion or ostrich, there is a new creation. 
God formed the woman the same way he did it with the animals, but with one, uh, one big distinction. He took the bone with the flesh out of the man and he created this woman. But Adam was not necessarily aware of this, uh, of this construction. So now the woman comes to him. And what about the name? Verse 23. The man said, this is now bone of my bones. What in that culture meant? It's like absolutely like me. It's my own. It's like, you know, bone of my bones and we are of the same blood or the same flesh. It's like my, it's my folk. It's my people. It's my, it's like we are one family. We are just, it's part of, it's part of the people I belong. It's part of the community I belong. It's part of the tribe I belong. It's just like, essentially, she's like me. So this is the, now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. It was exactly the construction that was very familiar to the Jewish people during Moses was uh, recording all this. So she's like me. Do you remember? He took bone with some flesh. So the bone of my bones, flesh uh, of, uh, and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here we find a very beautiful uh, wordplay. In, uh, in Hebrew, man, male, is ish. And the woman here, the name is isha. So it's like in, in Hebrew, it's like a man, but feminine. The same word. So it's not like long neck or too hairy or too weighty or too, uh, or too many feather or whatever right. or, no, or big like whatever <laughs> so it's just like he looks at her it's like me Isha I'm Ish she's Isha so it's like like me but feminine excellent a perfect match and then there is a comment that probably was uh, given or added later by Moses. Uh, verses 24 and 25. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Basar Echad in uh, Hebrew. One, <laughs> one flesh. One, like, even like one meat, you know, just like flesh. One. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, uh, Jewish people, uh, the core of our belief is the prayer called Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse uh, 4. We read it several times a day. And it says, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The word in Hebrew for one is Echad. It can mean, uh, it, uh, it can mean one, but most, uh, most of all, it means a certain oneness, unity. 
something what belongs together. It's not just one as this microphone or one as this finger. It's something what is so uniquely one in this world, but also in mysterious way. Like they shall become one flesh. How would you explain that? I have my wife. I love her. Uh, we're sometimes we're one spirit. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we have different opinions. Sometimes we're one mind. But all the time, according to the Bible, we are one flesh. And that's not negotiable because that's the creational account. That's the way God said forever is going to be. So I'm one flesh with my wife. Listen, we are like two separate people. We have different eyes. We have different... Uh, we have many different things in our flesh, you know. I'm not going into detail. But, uh, but we are one flesh. And I cannot understand that. I cannot comprehend it. I can, only, uh, I can only take it as a mystery of God. The mystery of, I would say, the mysterious, I'm not Catholic, but sacramental oneness. Man is created according to the image of God. Singular. And plural. Plural and singular. Or let's say plural and singular. Singular as plural. One flesh representing oneness of God. Let us create the man according to our image. When I am saying that, my mind feels weird. Because I cannot understand that. I cannot explain it completely with my limited mind. Not till I see probably Yeshua, Jesus face to face, and he will explain it to me uh, when I will be in a new body and new flesh in an unprecedented way, unprecedented to before. But right now, my mind cannot comprehend this greatness or this, uh, this mystery. But the good functioning marriage represents God in his unity in this world. The problem with the people, and even with the Jewish people, to see the nature of God in his mysterious unity in spite of Jesus' divinity and the personality of the Holy Spirit and the Father. Not because it's not there in our subconscious somewhere embedded by God, but because the marriage is not lived today in the way it has to be practiced and lived. Because the congregation of Israel, Am Israel Goyahad, the same word, oneness of the people of Israel, we cannot see. 
And even more than that, as in John chapter 17, Jesus was praying for the unity of his disciples, saying, Father, make them one for the world to see that you sent me. And, in, uh, and immediately in, in this immediate context, make them one or let them be one. Echad in Hebrew, in, uh, in Greek. So, make them one for the world to see that you, Father, and I are one, was prayer of Jesus. So, if the church or the body of, of the Messiah, the body of Christ, lives in unity, the world will see the nature of God's unity. Three in one. If the family, if the marriage will live as God designed us to live, one flesh, strong marriage, then the world will see the image of God. Not just in me alone, but in me, singular, us, plural. You see, you see the point? It's not easy to comprehend, but that's the biblical reality of the creation. So, uh, I'm going back to the chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. The man is created, singular and plural, in the image of God. <coughs> man as one flesh, male and female. Every time, every day, looking at his creation, God was saying, it is good. And then, only once in the, in the, Bible, in, uh, in the creational account, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And then, the man is created, singular and plural, one flesh, a had in the image of God. And the verse 31 uh, of Genesis chapter 1, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Amen. Thank you.